<laughs> I thought my door just was about to open. <laughs> I was like, wait, no, bad timing. Hello. 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 How are you? So much better that we're in July now. Oh, yes. Mm, I'm so a little iffy with July. I'm just but. happy to have my routine back. Understandable. Mostly weekends, get my weeks, clean up everything around me. I'll be better next week. Tried to do laundry today. Water heater. Well, no, it wasn't the water heater. It was the drain for my uh, AC compressor. Clogged and then flooded, which actually I forgot to tell you, the uh, water went underneath the laminate. So now I get the joy of Ooh. squeezing out all the laminate and hoping the water comes out. Mm, sounds like something the landlord should come fix. Probably, but I don't, I needed to do laundry today, so I didn't feel like telling them. So I'm hoping it fixes uh, itself. Okay. And then if it, if it doesn't dry up by tomorrow, I'm going to call them back and be like, Hey, so remember how that leak happened? I found the water. I found where it came from. He's swapping his headphones. Oh, this is like the fuck that you just grab. <laughs> I was like, that was very violent. <laughs> Oh jeez, but um, yeah. yeah, no, my uh, well, I'm not gonna go much into my personal life because it's a lot of drama with work. Mm. But you know it already, and then most stuff with my mama. Yeah, next week will be better, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, we're gonna go back into spooky stuff now. Yeah, it's officially spooky season. Yeah, for those who want to deny it, you want to put Christmas in freaking the summertime, we're going to Halloween, because Halloween is the next big holiday. So, it is now spooky season. Yeah, gotta go shopping. And for us who always live in spooky season, it is now shopping for home decor season. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and watching for sales, because I'm not paying full price for half the shit that's out, out in the stores. No, I don't understand. Those candles that we got from, what was that, at home? I spent yeah. $50 on two candles. Gross. I would it was never. It ridiculous. And they're not even woodwick. No. They're just, they're pumpkin shaped. That's dumb. At that point, like, never throw those jars away and just make your own. That was the plan and why I chose to go with pumpkin again. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot of things that I see in stores. I'm just like, I'll wait for you to go on sale. As long as it's still there. And then I never go back to the store. <laughs> <laughs> Like, Joanne last year had a really nice-looking mirror that was in the shape of a moon, but I just never went back to Joanne. And it was... Joanne's is overpriced. Like, very overpriced. Yeah. So, I was just like, eh. Last year, I went ham with buying a bunch of, like, towels. Like, okay. hand towels and stuff. I now have enough towels for my future home that may never exist. Right. That I will never need to buy another kitchen towel. As long as I don't, like, decimate them, that is. Yeah, I gotta replace a couple of mine just because they're stained. I gave Rosina a bunch of punny ones for her bridal shower. Nice. Rus Russell appreciated them. <laughs> she even said in her thank you thanks, she don't think I didn't see your fist bump with Russell. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so... Today, I'm going to do a little, uh, I guess you could call it an urban legend. I don't know if it's a real, well, I know it's not a real urban legend, but it kind of got dubbed an urban legend for the area. 
because of gold old weird New Jersey. Ooh, so, okay. We're in Jersey for this one. So what we're going to talk about today is Blair's Den. Blair's Den is a little bit of basic history on it. A historic 62,000 foot square foot two-story mansion with 38 rooms, 19 bathrooms, and 25 fireplaces. God, I wish. Excessive. Oh, if I had a house like that, all of my friends, just let, let's go, guys. You can each have your own wing because I don't have that many friends. That would be possible. <laughs> well, not to mention, you'd have to hire somebody to clean it because there's no, that's your whole day. You're in charge of your that's own your wing. your whole week. <laughs> You're in charge of your own ring. <laughs> I'm not cleaning the whole damn house. No. But, you know, so uh, the picture, I sent you a couple pictures of the place before, but, like, it's a huge mansion. It's gorgeous. Oh, okay. That's what that was. Yes. The property is located in Peapack, Gladstone, New Jersey. It sits atop of a hilltop overlooking the ravine lake and originally came with 550, or depending on the article I read, sometimes 423 acres. Uh, It included a 3,000 foot reflecting pool, and the whole property was decorated with a bunch of like Roman busts. And if you don't know what a Roman bust is, uh, you know those statues of normally like the chest up for people? That's a bust. So just picture all that. Like um, Haunted Mansion. Yeah, you can use me as that as an example. But most people know what a bust is, even if they don't know what it's called. Right. Because, like, when I was, I know when I was a kid, I didn't, like, if someone said bust, I wasn't thinking of a statue. No. But. And depending you on your up, maturity level. <laughs> yes. But most, as long as you've heard it referred to as a bust at least once, you normally know what it is. But I don't know how many people hear about bust nowadays, because I don't think that's, like, a common decor anymore. Unless you're rich and famous. Yeah. But, um. Blair's Den was built between 1897 and 1903 by Clinton Ledyard Blair, who lived from 1867 to 1949. Uh, Clinton was an American investment banker, and he had his property designed by the agricultural firm Carrier and Hastings, which apparently was a big famous architecture firm at the time. I don't know if they still are. I don't really know anything about that stuff. I didn't really dig deep into that. that. I just stuck with the house. Right. But um, it took about five years and $2 million to complete construction. Uh, one of the articles I did read did try to, like, uh, adjust the amount for inflation. So t- t- in this day and age, it would have cost $25 million to build. Damn. I don't know if that's the exact value of the property, though. Because I feel like that's too low for how big that damn house was. Which is sad to say, but yeah. But it things have also changed since then. It does not have as much uh, acreage anymore. It's kind of just the house and a bit of property. Not as big of a property. Okay. So, after Blair's death in 1949, the mansion was sold to the Sisters of St. John Baptist. They used this as a religious retreat. And in 2002, the property was sold to the Foundation of Classical Architecture and was owned by Victor Schafferman. Or is owned by Victor Schafferman. Sorry, Mr. Schafferman, I did not mean to kill you off. This dude, I'm pretty sure, is still alive. (laughs) So there is no was. 
Uh, so present day, the property, oh wait, maybe he doesn't currently own it. 2002, he bought it. And then today, the last time it looks like it changed hands was in 2012. Nope, it was sold again at another point. So 2012, it was bought for $4.5 million to a holding firm called Blair Den Hall, LLC, with a new owner, T. Eric Galloway. There's a lot of change of hands here who was a New York developer and president of the Galvin Foundation and Lantern Organization. In May of 2014, Blair's Dead was the site of the mansion in May, which was a fundraiser designed uh, for charity show houses and garden designer show shows. Like It was presented to Women's Association of Morristown Medical Center and attracted 33,000 visitors. Uh, the property was then again sold in 2022 to... 30 Blair PG LLC, which is a subsidiary of Gladstone-based real estate private equity firm, Malelo Equities. So, none of that really matters for what the whole tale is, but that's just like a brief history. Yeah, a little background. Yeah, which was a little more confusing because there's just names and numbers. <laughs> Yay, names and numbers. It's okay, so, I didn't but... retain any of it. <laughs> Oh, perfect. Neither did I. That's why I stumbled over things, even though I read this like three times. So a lot of people are probably sitting here like wondering, why are you telling me about this big fancy house? Are you just jealous you don't own a big fancy house? I'm jealous I don't own a house. (laughs) I just want a house. But um, yeah, so in 2007, there was a post by Weird New Jersey that um, brought up things that went wrong at Blair's Den. So, the only thing I have a little issue with with this is I could not find any solid evidence of any of the things that Weird New Jersey published or any of the things that it inspired anywhere else. I've only found very few articles that tell the urban legend. Okay. So, they ended up writing an article in issue number 12 by Mark Moran, and it went kind of haywired i guess you could say i don't know i tried reading the whole article but um i forgot how detailed weird new jersey was it was like pages and pages and i was like oh, oh my wow. goodness i don't have, i don't have time for this because i'm really not a quick my, read no i do my research last minute so <laughs> whoopsie if i ever do it ahead of time maybe but i have the article up so i could always briefly go over it a little bit but um, most of the articles I read online really just went through the basic history. They just explained when it was built, how it was built, who it was sold to. They all mentioned how the nuns owned it at one point. So I was like, okay, this is a bit weird. Why is Weird New Jersey doing an article on this place when it really doesn't seem like anything bad happened there? Right. It was owned by a family, and they sold it to some nuns. Uh, But yeah, so Weird New Jersey posted this article. I tried to find anything on it. I really only just kept finding more details on the property. Like, oh, the guy owned all this property. He found the highest point of his property, which was a hill. And he flattened it, built this property, uh, built the house, mansion. Mm -hmm. Um, When it sold to the nuns, the property went from 423 acres to about 30 acres so i don't know i honestly am not good with acres i assume that's still a lot of property but yeah your average house is about 
one and a half. If you have like oh, a, okay. a big backyard, big front yard, and a decent sized house. Okay. So yeah. So he still the the house still had thirty acres to it. Yeah. Um, I imagine the nuns be- probably downsized it for um, maintenance. So I have to keep think the, the township did. Okay. I think the township. If I read correctly, one of the articles said the township like uh sectioned off the property into different areas so they could do other things with it. Right. So I guess when the property was sold, I don't know who he sold it to, if he sold it directly to the nuns or if the nuns were just like, we just want this. And yeah. then the rest of the property like went to the bank or something. Maybe. But um, they bought it. They wanted a retreat. Uh, apparently the nuns struggled to maintain the land and later sold it. And mind you, they only had 30 acres of that land. So um, there was a couple things that I could imagine like would factor into why the house maybe have gotten like some creepy urban legends to it because when looking at pictures it does remind me of some like culty horror movie like feel like you have the statues you have the big property has the giant reflecting pool overgrown plants and stuff like that right so a couple pictures i found online kind of gave that feel especially if you put them in black and white they look like old-fashioned movies And um, I think if I remember correctly, I did read somewhere that that house was actually featured in some horror movies. I don't know how true that is. I did not get a chance to double check some of these articles to see if they were telling me the truth. So we'll go into that when I find that part of my uh, research. But anyway, so when I was researching the actual house itself, uh, I didn't find anything about killings or murder or suicide, like nothing. I couldn't find anything about it. So then I was just like, you know what? We're going to find something. So I looked up the Weird New Jersey article because I know that came up with it. But I don't know how much truth was behind that article. So I also searched Blairsdale Haunting to see if that gave me anything. And then it gave me an article based on the Weird New Jersey. So I was like, oh, great. I don't have to read this article now. I can just read this because he's going to give me like a little summary. Perfect. So... It seems that the problem didn't lie in the Blair family. There was no, like, secrets behind them. There was no murder or anything like that. It apparently lied in the nuns. So it's not to say the nuns were necessarily an issue. I don't know why the nuns became the feature of this, but they did. Uh, In 1950, when the nuns became owners, they became known for being reclusive. They did, had a big issue with people trespassing. They didn't want people on the property. They didn't want people around. They just wanted to keep to themselves, basically. It was a big problem uh, for local youths to actually go onto the property. Some would even travel like a far distance like across the state to come see the property. So in the spring and summer of 1950, a bunch of teens and people in their early 20s uh, it says about 150 people were actually charged with trespassing. So I'm assuming the cops had a very busy time in that time frame to yeah, go like it. arrest people or pull them off the property. So uh, it may be because of uh, these incidences that maybe something inspired the Weird New Jersey article. But uh, Weird New Jersey mainly focused on how reclusive the nuns were. One writer claimed that the nuns were lulled by a... Pe- led by a pagan practitioner, claimed that the head nurse, nurse, not nurse, this is not a hospital, (laughs) head nun 
would actually try to convert the others, and if they were refused, they would be tortured and killed. There was also rumors of guests that would come, and they would be uh, shacking up at the nunnery. Ooh. So I was like, oh, okay, so this is interesting. Uh, one are, uh, one part of the article also stated that the head nun committed suicide on the property. However, I again did not find anything to back this up. Because you would think if someone committed suicide or murdered and tortured people, there would be police reports. There would be some kind of article on it, like news articles, not just Weird New Jersey. Yeah. And people talking about Weird New Jersey. Like, I like Weird New Jersey. Don't get me wrong. I have read those things a few, like growing up. It, I like them, but I Show like your when sources. Yeah, like show me a source. Show me if you if it's an urban legend. Show me what inspired it. Right. Don't just like come up with a story and claim it's real about a, a real property. Like you have like the Jersey Devil and things like that. Those are talked about, but there's like history and theories on how that became to be. Not just here's a house. Oh, nuns were in it, but they're very reclusive. So we're gonna make up the story about these nuns. Right. It reminds me of trying to find the information about, like, where the legend of Davy Jones came from. Yeah. And trying to... But I feel like I had to go... I have to go to a library and actually find, like, books on the legends of Davy Jones. Because the internet just brought me to the movie. That makes sense. It's also hard sometimes, I feel like, with uh, the internet because you have to, like, be very particular with what you're searching sometimes mm-hmm. because the internet just, like, takes what you say and goes, like, we're going to go down this rabbit hole, but the rabbit hole's, like, going the opposite way and now you're in a groundhog hole. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, there was only one record of anyone dying on the property and it was actually a tragic accident in January of 1931. So this is during the time where the original owner still owned the property. There was a barn on the property, and the estate foreman, um, he was killed while operating a corn shredding machine because the flywheel broke off and a fragment struck him over the heart. Ooh, wow. It's not the house that that had the incident. It was another part of the property. I don't know where the barn was in equivalence to the house. I assume it was close enough, but, like, that's the only thing on the property, all 400-whatever acres of it, that had any tragic deaths. That we know of. Yes, that we know of, but it wasn't the actual house. Granted that there were lots of, uh, he did have a lot of employees. He had like 70 plus employees for that house. So it is possible that someone did die there. It doesn't mean that someone tragically died there. Yeah. So then I went, when I was searching, I found uh, Scary for Kids, who talked a little bit more about Blairsdale and what became the urban legend. So. The urban legend basically was um, that it made, basically it made a claims that there was a mass murder and that ghosts haunted the home. In the article, it had stated that nuns actually ran an orphanage from the home. Again, I could not find anything that backed that up. All mm-hmm. I could find was that the nuns were used it as a refuge or like a getaway. I didn't find anything saying that they were running an orphanage. Hmm. So, um... But they said that there were 25 nuns and 25 orphans that lived in the mansion. Uh, from the pictures I saw, that's barely anyone for that house. Yeah. Especially because 
I assume most or- most little kids, when they do orphans, they don't normally stick them in a big room by themselves. Yeah. I don't know if they did. Again, this is a, it's an urban legend, so we don't know. Uh, the nuns were said to have lived there. The nuns who were who lived there were said to have been very reclusive, rarely had contact with people outside. They kept quiet and away from the public and rarely allowed the occasional visitor. Legend says that there was a bridge behind the mansion that allowed for deliveries to the back door, and a delivery boy would go there and meet the mother superior every week and make his deliveries, until one week when she did not show. So he left the delivery and went on his way, figuring she had forgotten. But it was the second week that he went, and she again did not show up, that he got concerned and called the cops. It is said that the police then visited the property, where they found inside a horrible and bloody massacre. The nuns who lived in there were all dismembered and their bodies strewn throughout the mansion. All the nuns except the mother superior were accounted for. Legend says to this day that no one knows who or what killed them. So it continues on to say that the police <laughs> like, okay, so yeah, so, okay, so you're going to tell me that if there's 25 nuns total mother superior, so the 24 nuns were just murdered dismembered and their body parts is all over the place and this was never in the news never in a newspaper like nah i don't i can see it because there's plenty of like horrible things that i've never heard of before and you had to like be there in the moment there's normally police reports or something though i wonder if the articles have just never been put online it's not even a matter of online. Like, there's nothing in the town history for it. Yeah. Like, town history. Like, people are like, well, I've never heard of that. Interesting. So, like, I was trying to find anything to back this up, and I couldn't find anything. If someone does find something, cool. Show me where, because I spent hours on Google trying to find articles on this. Because I saw the name of it, Googled the place, and looked at the pictures, and I was like, wow, this looks cool. I want to look into this. Right. I was almost going to have to change my topic, because I wasn't finding anything. Oh, no. Anyway, the legend states that the police never solved the case, and because of the amount of dead bodies, rumors had then spread around to the locals. I couldn't find anything about these rumors going to the locals. Also could not find anything about a cold case about a m- nuns being murdered. Also the fact that later on, the nuns that they said were dead sold the place. How did the nuns who were dead sell the place? <laughs> like... The three that didn't get murdered. <laughs> Apparently all of them did. But it also then uh, goes on to say, uh, Mother Superior, who wasn't found among the dead, had renounced her Christian fate and became involved in pagan rituals, primarily child sacrifice. Fuck that. Uh. They say that she one day took all the kids to the waterfall, pushed them over the edge one by one, and since none of them learned how to swim, they all drowned. She then went back to the home of the nuns and told them what she did and said if she wa- uh, she wanted them all to convert. And if any of them refused, she would kill her sisters and any of the guests who were there. She then killed herself, apparently. But they never found her body. Hmm. Like Convenient. above it said they never found her, but she c- killed herself on the property. Hmm. So, yeah. So I, I just found so many things that were just sounded wrong with this. The fact that the legend said, okay, um... The guy goes, the delivery boy goes there for two weeks, doesn't see any dead bodies, doesn't see any blood, doesn't notice dead kids floating in the river or the, the lake or whatever. Right. 
You don't smell anything? Like, dead bodies stink. Yeah. And where is this? You said Jersey. Never mind. It's in Jersey, yes. We're in New Jersey. Depending on the time of year, it might have been cold enough that they didn't stink. It, yeah, well, it didn't specify a time of year, sadly, in anything I could see. But, um, hmm. another thing, the fact that all 24 of these nuns didn't notice the Mother Superior just taking 25 children outside. We're going on an adventure. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, <laughs> oh, where are you taking them? Like, I would think someone else would go, like, oh, gotta, like, let me go help you round up 25 kids that you're gonna go take, like. Normally, the mother superior is an older woman. Right. That does, like, the paperwork. So, yeah. or she, She's just, like, running. She runs the nuns who then normally run the, the children. Yeah. So, like, I can't imagine they're just like, oh, yeah, and they'll just let her go take all 25 of them out on an adventure. That's fine. Hmm. Fuck. Don't get me started on the nonsense of child sacrifice. Like, get that out of here. But um, there's no police reports, no cold cases, like, just sitting and waiting, like, nothing. Um, and if it was a common legend, why is there so little on it? Why are there guests? If these nuns are reclusive, why are, what are, what are these guests that were killed? Like, I, I don't know. I went, I it's kept reading to see. Yeah, I, I kept reading to see, like, okay, where, were the, where is this legend going? So the legend says that there are two ghosts that haunt the place. One is a mentally disabled man who was visiting Blair's den at the time of the massacre. He's apparently a warning ghost and will appear in the halfway point of the path to the home where two trees cross to make a doorway. He will try to scare people away to prevent them from coming into the home. And then the other ghost is apparently his mother superior who wants to lure you to your death and torture you. Hmm. What? What? <laughs> what? Why does he have to be mentally disabled for your right. tale? How do you know like, that? Why'd you have to do that? Like, how? Oh, my goodness. Um, but, <sighs> again, so, I could not find any grounds on this, especially because the fact that the property was sold by the very alive nuns later mm -hmm. on in life. Um, but, I guess, urban legends sometimes just come out of nowhere. But normally they're spawned by something. Only thing I could think of is because these nuns were reclusive and kept away from the public. Someone came up with this tale somewhere. Something was like, they just basically were used like, hey, these nuns aren't going to back any of this up. Let's just make up a story about them. Yeah. It sounds like a bunch of teenagers were like, you're not going to let me in to fiddle with nuns. Fine. Yeah. I'm going to make up stories about you. <laughs> Let's not fiddle with nuns. That sounds very disrespectful. <laughs> Well, didn't you say they would have guests that would, like, canoodle with the nuns? That's the urban legend, apparently. That, that's why people would go there. They're yeah. shacking up with the nunnery. But that doesn't mean they're shacking up with the nuns at the nunnery. Who are they getting with? The kids? Other people, I guess. Oh. Like, people are going. I took that going, as they were going to um, get with the nuns. I took it as either that or they were, like, couples going to the nunnery and, like, canoodling. I don't know why they were going to the nunnery to canoodle, but I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> urban legend. Nonsense. Silliness. Um, so, that was basically, that, that was the urban legend. That the mother superior killed all the kids and then killed all the nuns and then killed herself. And now she haunts the place. And I was like, I, 
I really don't know about that. But sounds um, like a lot of plot holes. A lot of plot holes. And then out of all of those tragic deaths of twenty-five children and twenty-four nuns, only two ghosts? Yeah, no. There's mm. no way. I feel like those other nuns would even if they're headless would be floating around somewhere. And those kids. But also like that, okay, I understand kids can't swim, then some of them would drown, but all 25 of them, like, not a single one of them knew how to float. I know I can't swim. I don't float. But I've seen people, like, they like they throw their kids in the pool, and the kid just automatically is just like, yeah, this is how we do it. Depending on the child. Evie is Depending, not but... a floater. Oh, no. Hopefully she learns how to float, and then, like, me... We'll get there. She's only been in, <laughs> she's only been in open water like two or three times. True. Well, she's young. Um, let's see. Is there anything else other than this? Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, also, we can also go over to the fact that okay, this place was sold by the nuns who are alive mm-hmm. to other people. Normally, if there's a death or something on the property, you have to disclose that when you're selling the property. If it's on record. True. I think 24 nuns dying on the property in a gruesome death would be on record somewhere, though. They're not just bleaching the floor and being like, yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> Those stains were there when we moved in. I have. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, even if you look at the photos of this place, it doesn't look like there was ever an axe, like a mass murder there. Right. It's a very beautiful property. I mean, granted, sometimes... That means nothing. Like, a beautiful place can still be hiding tragedy. But I don't think that's the case in this particular instance. Right. But it's private property. People trespass and probably made up a story because they got mad because they got arrested or fined. Some fun facts I found out about Blair's Den was uh, it was apparently was known previously as Smith Smith's Mill. And then another part of it was called Buttsbridge. <laughs> <laughs> the township of Bla- uh, Blair's Den was named after John Estelle Clare, who is C. Ledyard's Blair's grandfather. So the original owner of the house, the area was named after his his grandfather. Did I type that wrong? I think that was supposed to be Blair. Isel Blair, not Clare. Hmm. Uh... Blair's Den was featured in scenes of Friday the 13th, and the film was shot at the Blairstown Main Street in Blairstown Diner on Route 94. That's the part where I couldn't, I didn't get a chance to confirm. Is there a Route 94 in our state? Love, is there a Route 94? A Route 94? He says probably. He says probably a county road. Okay. Uh, let's see. The property is maintained by cops, not just the home, but the area of the ravine, lake, and waterfall. Uh, okay. Uh, not far from Blair's Den is another weird New Jersey feature, which is the Devil's Tomb in Jacob's Ladder. Not the real one. Or the one I was thinking of, though. The piercing? <laughs> <laughs> that smile said so much. <laughs> When I hear Jacob's Ladder, that's the first thing that pops in my head. The piercing. Yes. It's the only thing I really ever hear. If you're going to Google the piercing, make sure you're not in public. 
because it is of it's a male. It's not for work. No, it is of a male's yeah, genitalia. It's a geni- yeah. <laughs> don't don't Google it if you don't want to look at peepees. <laughs> I'm gonna put it as simple as that. All right. So, looking at the actual Weird New Jersey article again, it is in volume number twelve, and it is a five-page on a four-page article. Uh, the fifth page is the title. I mean, the nice. cover. Uh, but it, it features some pictures, which is again why, like, oh, like this, it's stone walls covered in vines, overgrown trees. There's a bunch of trees in the property. There's an iron gate and all that. Like, there's a whole bunch of stuff that just it gives it the creepy feel. So I could understand why a creepy tale would be made, right? But like, you got people who would be like, oh yeah, like real encounters from people being like, oh yeah, no, I first learned to Blairstown from my friend AJ while we were sitting at Sunset Diner one night in the August of 1997. He showed me pictures from the outside and the inside, which he sneaked in to take. So you're trespassing on someone's property and going in their house when they owned it. Because to my knowledge, this property was always owned by someone. It was never just dormant. Vacant. Like, not necessarily that there was a ton of people there, but still owned pretty sure by at someone. the time there was there were still there were nuns there at the time i'm pretty sure okay and then they always like to bring up oh the head nun was a practitioner of paganism she tried to convert her sisters guys paganism isn't that there are pagans who do stuff like that but that is not that's not the, like the grounds of paganism to my to my knowledge not every pagan is out there sacrificing things no not usually to things most well, of the I pagans don't... I know nowadays don't sacrifice anything. Well, you can do, like, um, sacrifices of, like, food. That technically yeah. counts. Or, um... You get offerings. Yeah. But I don't even but, remember... Like, I think they... A lot of parts of the practice did away with most sacrificing. Yeah, that's, like, back in the Viking times. Or, like, Middle Ages and stuff like that. I don't even know... I don't remember if they did it in the Middle Ages. I didn't live then. I have to brush up on my human sacrifice history. <laughs> but yeah, no. So it went into that. It it was just like people who were saying, oh, we went there with flashlights and we were there at like one in the morning. Yeah, it's going to be creepy at one in the morning. Not to mention the theory of attraction. You're going there to look for something spooky. You're going to find yeah. something spooky. Yeah. It's like the... um. What was that app that was bringing people places? Oh, um. I know it. I couldn't even. Like, it's there, but I have no idea what it's called. But it was basically you get random coordinates. Oh, something nodding. Random Nautica. Yeah. Maybe? Random Nautica. Random Nautica. Random Nautica. Random Nautica, I think. Something like that. We tried to do it once, and it just—I think it brought us to a tree. Yeah, but like, and I was course, like, I don't get it. Of course, it's gonna bring you somewhere, and like, if you're in the brain space of finding something creepy, anything you notice is gonna be creepy. Yeah, I always found like the stories of that where people would be like, "I put in this," and they brought me to a gra- like a graveyard three towns over. I'd be like, wow, I would hate that. Like, yeah, it's strange, but it's not like. I don't know. People people put a lot of stock into that that didn't really deserve it. <laughs> like, it's cool, it's fun, but, like, it's not earth-shattering. 
I'm trying to see if there's anything actually in this article that like is interesting. It's just a lot of words. Got to get that word count in. I know. Like, whoever wrote this, kudos to you, dude. But me, please get your sources right next time. Or just show the sources. Yeah, or or show me the sources. Tell me where you got this. Even if like it the was bot- just from a person. Like, even the way bottom of uh, the article, it says, Blair's Den, the Haunted Mansion. Okay, well, here's the story. This, again, is from the article. Uh, apparently, some person named Sean wrote it. Uh, the mansion is off a lake road in Bernard- Bernardsville. According to an old legend, it used to be a convent and orphanage. Again, I didn't find anything about that. Um, here are about 25 nuns and 25 orphans that live there. There's a waterfall about halfway down the mountain. According to stories, one day, the nuns took all the children to the waterfall and lined them up across it. They pushed the children off the edge one by one, and then they all jumped themselves. Oh, this is a different variation. Mm. Um, this was many, many years ago. Uh, and as far as I know, the mansion hasn't been inhabited since. No one has torn it down, so it stands there, and no one is taking care of it. It hasn't, um, I haven't been up to the house in about a year, but the driveway going up is all overrun with weeds, and there are guardrails blocking the entrance. Uh, it's about a 15-mile walk from the, from the house to the bottom. I've never seen any ghosts up there, and I've gotten an eerie feeling every time I've gone there and never stay long. A couple of my friends have gone up and claimed to see strange-looking figures up in the woods by the house. They said that there's a very strange feeling of them being watched the whole way back down the mountain, even though they didn't see or hear anyone. It's a very weird place to go, especially right when it gets dark out. No shit. <laughs> but uh, even contradictories there. Oh, no one, uh, it was inhabited. It. The nuns sold it in 2002. Right. They lived there until then. They were reclusive, yes. They also said they could not take care of the property. So, yeah, it's going to get overgrown when you have a bunch of people who don't know how to take care of the property. Right. <laughs> what are you, but, my HOA? But this is also saying that all 50 people, 25 nuns, 25 orphans, all jumped in the river. And there was no mention of that anywhere? Yeah. Mm, I mean, it's 50 either... dead bodies in the water source, I feel like, would make the news because that's polluting your water. It's either a really good cover-up, or it's just a, a slightly hashed-out story. Like it needs to, it needs a rewrite. It needs a source. Give me something. Uh, give me a police report. Give me something. I can't believe that just fifty dead bodies in a lake somewhere, just polluting the water like that, because that's gonna ruin the water source for the area. Right. Uh, let's see. Blair's Den's dead nuns. There was once an order of nuns who lived at the top of the mountain. It was placed... Uh, this one's run by Carmen Maglione. Malagone. Yeah. Uh, it's a place known as Blairsdale. It's a huge mansion with beautiful architecture. I've seen it. It's amazing. The nuns had a vow, had a vow of silence, and their only contact the outside world was Mother Superior. She would walk all the way down the trail to the gate, where she would meet the grocery boy and pick up their food. Uh, so this one, she's making a walk. He's not coming to the house. Um, and they're the also trail... silenced. Yeah. Apparently they're all silent. Um, the trail comes from the mansion and goes down the pathways. It cliffs to the one side with the water on the other. 
One week, Mother Superior did not show. The grocery boy figured she didn't remember or something. The next uh, week, she was also a no-show. The grocery boy went to the sheriff, and he investigated. He broke the lock on the gate and drove up the trail. He found all the nuns' bodies ripped apart and blood everywhere. Everything was a mess. They couldn't figure out whether it was murder, suicide, or what. They left it unsolved and locked up the place. Again, they did not lock up the place. Um, because of the value of the land, it wasn't long before a celebrity moved in. Oh, so so celebrity moved in. Who's the celebrity? Because it told me all the owners of the place and there's no celebrity. Hmm. Uh, this person stayed one night and refused to ever enter into the mansion again. He had movers come back for all his things and then locked the remain. Uh, the lock has remained on the gate ever since. I've seen this, uh, seen very messed up things when I visited there. I don't believe you, Carmen. <laughs> like, I don't. Like, I want to believe you, but I don't believe you. Because the records show they lived there. Right. It showed who lived there. It showed how many times the place was sold. <sighs> but yeah, so. It's an interesting is, story. It is. Like, if you just told me this story and didn't give me a place in the history of the place, I would think, yeah, cool, this is a cool urban legend. Mm-hmm. But because I can look into the place and look into the history and see that, yeah, there's really no nothing on this. Then I, I can't really believe it as an urban legend. Like when I did Bloody Mary, I don't think Bloody Mary had like exact location where she lived. So it was like, oh, you couldn't just like track down this location to see if a person by the name of Mary actually was killed. Right. Or, um, well, like the Jersey Devil. Like I said, there, like, there was multiple tales of him and how he became to be. But, like, there was all, like, really old history. And then there was, like, actual, like, articles on sightings and things like that. Like, there was stuff to back up the, the case. Right. Even if they are fake and made up or whatever. But there was still something to, like, counteract all this. Where this is just, like... Only thing I'm finding are things disproving this urban legend. Right. Like, 100% disproving it. Like, the nuns literally was... They had the time frame they lived there. They said why they sold the property. There were never orphans there that I could find. Unless that part was just, like, kept silent. But I couldn't... I didn't find anything saying that there was, um... Orphans. Hmm. But that's Blairsdale. That's Blairsdale nuns. It's an interesting article. Yeah, no, it's definitely an interesting story, and I wish there was more to it. This reminds me of the um, the article my dad sent me that it ended up being like a some guy's hoax that yeah. he made up a whole town that never the, existed. The what? Uh, Ogs hat or whatever. Yeah, Ogs hat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's my tale. What you got for me? I colored my little, uh, That's little baby. That's not what I meant. <laughs> I know, I was showing you what I was working on. I know, I know. I've been on a, uh, a heavy drawing kick lately. So if you have any ideas that you want commissioned, let me know. So I took a trip down Creepy Town. I guess we'll do that. <laughs> Creepy Town? <laughs> yeah. Sure, um, we were talking on 4th of July about Eastern State 
and potentially going to visit and let's go yes i'm down i've been trying to go there for years my mom wanted to go there once and i never Aww. got to go with her i went uh years ago i think with d and she spent the entire time hiding under my hood oh jeez! because <laughs> we went for their um their halloween event I don't know if I'd want to go during the Halloween event because I don't like people jumping out at me. Well, and apparently now you have to sign a waiver to go in there so oh, they, they let can you touch they you. Like, yeah, I don't like being touched. No, I know. I just want to go and like do like a history tour kind of mm. thing. Like show me the stuff. Like teach me. Yeah. I don't want people being like, hey, like, hey, don't touch me. <laughs> don't like that. Do you have, real quick, do you have green light on your face? <laughs> yes, I don't know where from. Because <laughs> this you're... is purple. <laughs> this is purple. It's turning you green, which is so funny. Because your eyebrows, the I sides know. of your nose, and your teeth <laughs> are turning green. There you go. Now I'm blue. <laughs> I don't know why purple was doing that. Like, there's not even green on the strand. There's... I wonder if green is mixed in it to make it purple. It's red and blue. The red and blues are on. Oh, that's so strange. Okay, well, let us take a trip into Eastern State Penitentiary. As Rogue has her own little rave. <laughs> oh, I forgot to tell you. Um, I was talking about... No, nicknames. Oh. And remember how... Ah! didn't believe that my nickname was Kitty. He just put it together that we're both technically could have gotten our nicknames from x-men and i was like technically neither of us did it just kind of nah. worked out that way i just tell, tell people like from rogue because it's a lot easier than trying to explain to them diablo yeah <laughs> because yes if uh if anyone knows of the game diablo there's the rogue amazons that's where i got the word rogue from because i then looked up what a rogue was and i was like yes perfect so my thing, like, I know Rogue is a character from X-Men, and I probably learned about them around the same time, but I I literally went off the definition of the word Rogue. Yeah. And mine I got from climbing trees when I was little and then being too scared to get down, so my dad would have to help me out of the tree. Oh, and then geez. also because I was super shy when I met new people, I would stick to the back of my mom's legs. And I would just look like a little cat hanging out behind her. So yeah, a little uh, nickname history for you. Yeah. Now for the history of Eastern State Penitentiary. Uh, it's a Travel Channel article called Prison of Horrors. In the middle of gritty downtown Philadelphia stands a fortress. Eastern State Penitentiary, to some, is one of the creepiest places in the world. Some say it's evil. Eastern State Penitentiary was a great social experiment that turned inmates into raving lunatics, inspired fear in the most hardened criminals, and left ghosts that have been known to stalk the living. Now a decaying museum, Eastern State, for 142 years, was one of the most feared correctional institutes in the world, where more than 75,000 men and women passed through its gates. Uh, torture was expected. The prisoners and prison guards anticipated it. Prisoners were tied in chairs for many hours, and when they were freed from their restraints, some were permanently crippled. Eastern State Penitentiary 
was born during the new era of prison reform in 1787. The Philadelphia Society for Alleviating the Miseries of Public Prisons conceived of a prison designed entirely for social confinement. Solitary confinement. Funded by Quakers, the reformers finally unveiled their masterpiece in 1829. Even though cells were designed with luxuries to ensure isolation, the architecture was demoralizing and prison procedures were downright dehumanizing. After entering the fortress, prisoners were examined and given a number. At that point, they lost their humanity. A hood was placed over a prisoner's head as guards led them to their cell. They were locked in their cells for the entire day, fed through a slot in the door, and only given a half hour to exercise. Once prisoners were locked away, the outside world, their loved ones, their prior lives, all ceased to exist. The most devastating blow was the sound of silence. Prisoners were not allowed to speak, sing, or hum. This was a place of absolute silence. Some prisoners were gagged with a metal tongue clamp if they did not abide by the code of silence. This state of art facility was in reality a tomb, as if the prisoners had been buried alive. The extreme isolation was intended to inspire redemption, but it spawned madness. Famed writer and revolutionary Charles Dickens visited the prison and left convinced it was the worst prison on earth. Not a visitor, but a famous gangster, Al Scarface Capone, was a resident in cell block 8. Capone ushered in the era of the bloody 1930s for Chicago. The crime kingpin was allowed visitors and had antique furniture, oil paintings, and oriental rugs to make his eight-month stay as comfortable as possible. Capone didn't have peace of mind. He told a guard that the ghost of one of the men, James Clark, murdered at the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, was haunting him. Even though he didn't pull the trigger, it was well known and established that Capone did order the slaughter. In 1930, Capone walked out of Eastern State, but in some ways, he was never free again. Stories of evil haunts go back to prison locksmith Gary Johnson's brush with ghosts. Johnson was changing the locks when the prison was being converted into a tourist attraction. While working with one of the old locks, he saw several ghosts and felt a cold hand reaching into his body. Johnson said he was almost certain that the ghosts were going to kill him. Visitors have also seen the ghost of Joseph Taylor. Taylor bludgeoned an overseer named Michael Duran to death in 1884. After the horrific crime, Taylor calmly re-entered his cell and went to sleep. Some people believe Taylor's ghost still roams the prison's dilapidated hollowed hallways. And that was by Quinn Mosby. Hmm. So that's a little uh, quick history. The Eastern State Penitentiary website also has a couple of like key moments in the timeline of the prison. So it opened in 1829 as part of a controversial movement to change the behavior of people convicted of crimes through confinement and solitude with labor. Eastern State Penitentiary quickly became one of the most expensive and most copied buildings in the young United States. 
1776, Walnut Street Jail, built to relieve the overcrowding and scandalous conditions at Philadelphia's Old Stone Jail, received its first prisoners. In 1787, Dr. Benjamin Rush found, founds the Philadelphia Society for Alleviating the Miseries of Public Prisons, the first prison reform group in the world. Benjamin Franklin joined the group August 13, 1787. This group survives today, more than two centuries later, now called the Pennsylvania Prison Society. It promotes correctional reform and social justice. In 1790, a penitentiary house with a capacity of 16 cells is built in Walnut Street Jail, and an experiment with day and night solitary confinement begins. 1821, after many years of lobbying for the Philadelphia Society for alleviating the miseries of public prisons, the Pennsylvania legislation, legislature approves funding to build the Eastern State Penitentiary. The new prison will hold 250 people. Four architects submit designs for the massive new prison. John Haviland, a British architect who had settled in Philadelphia, wins the commission, and he receives a $100 prize for his design. Rival architect William Strickland, whose design had been rejected, is chosen to oversee the construction. Hmm, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> that, that seems like a recipe for disaster. Hey, you lost, but you're going to oversee the build. You're going to build this. Yeah, no, that's a conflict of interest, I think. Unless he was a good sport about it. Maybe. In 1822, construction begins on the foundations of the walls. William Strickland is fired, and John Haviland is appoint appointed to see the oversee the construction. So, yeah, that didn't last long. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah. 1829, April 23rd, legislation specifying separate or solitary confinement at labor is passed. Many leaders believe that crime is the result of environment and that solitude will make the person convicted of a crime regretful and penitent, hence the new word penitentiary. This correctional theory, as practiced in Philadelphia, will become known as the Pennsylvania system. Plans are finalized to prohibit all contact between people incarcerated at Eastern State, the world's most ambitious penitentiary, now nearly ready to receive its first prisoners. Masks are fabricated to keep the prisoners from communicating during rare trips outside their cells. Cells are equipped with feed doors and individual exercise yards to prevent contact between prisoners and minimize contact between prisoners and guards. 1832, Eastern State sees its first escape. William Hamilton, number 94, who served as the warden's waiter, lowers himself from the roof of the front building. Once captured, Hamilton will escape in the same manner in 1837. 1834, the first of several investigations into the prison's finances, punishment practices, and deviations from the Pennsylvania system of confinement takes place. So now they're in trouble. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1842 is when Charles Dickens visited the U.S. to see Niagara Falls and Eastern State Penitentiary. Because, you know, I'm going to go see Niagara Falls and then visit a prison. Because that makes sense. Not that we can say anything because that's something we would probably do. Oh, absolutely. Not not on the same day, but... Same trip, definitely. There's some creepy stuff, I think, at Niagara Falls, too. Is there really? I think. 
There's something going on over there. I don't know if it's the Canada side or the U.S. side, though. Oh, something happened on my birthday before I was born, but 1924. Now, right when you were born. 1924, August 12th, Pennsylvania Governor Gifford Pinchot sentences Pep, the cat-murdering dog, to life at Eastern State. Pep allegedly murdered the governor's wife's cherished cat. Prison records reflect that Pep was assigned as prisoner number C-2559, which is seen in his mugshot. However, the reason for Pep's incarceration remains the subject of some debate. A newspaper article reported that the governor donated his own dog to the prison to increase morale. Hmm. Oh, wait. So he had his dog incarcerated? I don't... Did he donate it or did he have it arrested? I thought it was a person. From this, it says that he either donated his dog to the prison or he sentenced his dog to prison for murdering his cat. That's how I understood it. Basically, I had the dog arrested. I was like, hey, you're going to jail for murdering a cat. Oh, my God. And it's like, oh, I I didn't know we were trying dogs now. Right? I think there's been... I mean, nowadays, trying a dog is basically like, hey, you lost your three chances. Now we're going to euthanize you. Well, there's been animals that have been uh, actually sent to trial for murder. There was an elephant, I think a dog or a pig. I know there was an elephant that, like, I think it, it killed a woman. Yeah. And then raided its uh, raided her funeral to try and stomp her out again. <laughs> uh, it's not funny. I swear we're not laughing at that. It's the idea of an elephant just being like, girl, let's go. <laughs> I'm gonna fucking get you. <laughs> like, she's already dead. <laughs> He's not dead enough. Elephants don't forget. I think that had, that needs to be an episode. Just looking at what animals have been arrested for murder. Right? Oh. <laughs> He's much creepier than what I thought you were drawing. What did you think I was drawing? I thought you were drawing another Spriteling. Oh, no. <laughs> this is what the Spriteling was supposed to be originally. <laughs> Oh, in 1933, prisoners set fires in their cells and destroy workshops in a riot over insufficient recreational facilities, overcrowding and idleness. And then they rioted again in 1934 for low wages. They short-circuited electrical outlets, started fires, and caused other disturbances. Warden Smith puts down the riot with a strong show of force. 1945, 12 men escape through a tunnel that emerges at Fairmount Avenue and 22nd Street. Prisoner plaster worker Clarence Clyden, Clyden, Clydenst designed and built most of the tunnel. At the same time, the escape man, I won't try to say his name again. Oh, now he's a bird. <laughs> Had only two years left to serve. Most of the men are caught within minutes. Klein is out for two hours and has ten years added to his sentence for the prison break. Bank robber Willie Sutton takes credit for planning the tunnel. The Pennsylvania legislature recommends abandoning Eastern State Penitentiary. 1953, it becomes the State Correctional Institution... 1958, the city of Pennsylvania certifies the penitentiary as historic property. 1961, John Klossenberg tricks a guard into opening the cell of another prisoner, Manuel Madronal. 
With the cell open, Klausenberg and Madrinal overpower the guard and begin the largest riot in the prison's history. Several hours later, a large force of police guards and state troopers reclaim the prison. The riot fuels discussion to close Eastern State. So it looks like they're definitely on a downslope by now. A little bit. Uh, 1970, Eastern State closes. Most of the prisoners are sent to State Correctional Institution at Greaterford. While the penitentiary's electrical and mechanical systems are in terrible shape, its walls and paint are in perfect condition. Oh, good. Well, maybe because the prisoners kept setting fire to it. <laughs> <laughs> 1970 to 1971, the city of Philadelphia uses Eastern State to house prisoners from the county prison at Holmesburg following a riot there so they used it to as like a, a holding spot or like a halfway point mayor frank rizzo in 1974 suggests demolishing eastern state to construct a criminal justice center 1991 with generous fundering fundering with generous <laughs> <laughs> with generous funding from the pew charitable trusts stabilization and preservation efforts begin the first Halloween fundraiser takes place on Halloween night to raise money to create a daytime tour program. A few hundred people attended the first year. Since then, a Halloween fundraiser, once Terror Behind the Walls, and now Halloween Nights at Eastern State Penitentiary, have been held at the penitentiary every fall. Which I went when it was still Terror Behind the Walls. That's how I knew it. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize they changed the name. I didn't realize they added the touch factor because that makes it much more scary. I don't like being touched. Oh, 2008 visitors are no longer required to sign liability waivers upon entry. I guess they got all their their structural shit together. 2017. Like, don't you still have to sign waivers to be touched? Uh, I imagine, but that was probably for like the tours and stuff. You don't. You no longer need to sign a waiver to go on a tour. Ah, okay. So take pictures in this place. I need to know. I think so. I know, um, what is it? Anthony's girlfriend, Mikey. She did one uh, of her episodes in Eastern State when she was one of the scarers there before she left. Oh, fun. Well, yeah, she, no. she, is she from this coast then? I don't remember. I know she was here for a minute or she was just visiting or it was like a, I spent some time here. I don't remember her entire history of like where she's lived oh, okay i don't i don't know much about her she's a fun one i definitely lo i love watching her videos i actually found her before i knew her and anthony were together i before i knew of smosh which i got to the smosh game very late in life uh i knew of anthony's ex-girlfriend who was like some uh, she ends up being like some crazy vegan person Oh, fun. Like, at the time, I, when I first discovered her video, she didn't seem that bad, and then it just, like, progressively got, like, nuttier, and I was just like, oh. And then they broke up, so I was like, oh, that sucks. He was cool. Right. And then I learned where he was from, and I was like, oh, hey, that dude looks familiar. <laughs> like, oh. And then he's no longer on the channel. And I was like, oh, that sucks. And then I'm watching all these videos of Smosh, and it's like, oh, this people are gone, and this person's gone, and this person's gone. And then I get to the current videos and I'm like, oh, wow, a lot of shit happened to that group. Yeah. And I was like, damn. But they're finally whole again. For the most part. I do have some notable prisoners that have been at uh, Eastern State. 
the one, the obvious one is Alphonse Scarface Capone, which I never knew his full name was Alphonse. That's fun. He was Chicago's most famous mob boss, spent eight months at Eastern State from 1929 to 1930. He was arrested for carrying a concealed deadly weapon. This was Capone's first real prison sentence. Next up, we've got Victor Babe Andrioli. I don't know that one. He was convicted of killing a Pennsylvania state trooper in 1937. Andrioli arrived in at Eastern State Penitentiary to serve a life sentence for first-degree murder. He escaped in 1943, apparently by hiding in a delivery truck that was leaving the prison. Several weeks later, the police caught up to Andrioli in a Chester, Pennsylvania diner where he was shot dead. Oh, and the numbers... Capone was 5527, Victor 2515. Morris the Rabbi Bulber. When Morris the Rabbi Bulber entered Eastern State in 1942, he was serving a life sentence as a member of an arsenic murder ring located in Philadelphia. Called a veteran witch doctor and compounder of charms, Bulber was one of the leaders of the group. They appealed to women who were willing to murder husbands. Arsenic was not the only method used in order to collect on their husband's insurance policies. Between 1932 and 1937, the group was responsible for the deaths of at least 30 people. 16 people were convicted for participating in the syndicate, including Bulber and Horace Perlman, also served time at Eastern State for the murders. After his incarceration, Bulber joined the Jewish congregation in the new Eastern State Penitentiary Synagogue. One of the penitentiary's most dedicated volunteers, Joseph Paul, also took an interest in him. Mr. Paul's concern deeply moved Bulber. Less than two weeks later, before his death at Eastern State in 1954, Bulber wrote of the volunteer, quote, As for me, I remember his numerous, never-to-be-forgotten acts of kindness shown me. Therefore, will I pray for him? A prayer he surely deserves for all the good he has done for me. Hmm. That's nice. Next, we have Leo Callahan. Of the approximately 100 people to escape from Eastern State, Leo Callahan is one of just four people that got away with it. Assault and battery with intent to kill brought Callahan to the Eastern State Penitentiary, and a makeshift wooden ladder brought him out. In 1923, Callahan and five other prisoners built a ladder that they used to scale the east wall of the penitentiary. His five accomplices were eventually recaptured, but Callahan is still at large, although he would now be more than 110 years old. Oh, good. So most likely dead. Or he's the oldest man. (laughs) Our first female, Frida Frost. Female prisoners were part of the landscape at Eastern State for almost 100 years. And Frida Frost was the last of them. Did you say a part of the landscape? Yes. As in, like, the population, I'm guessing? Very weird way to put it. Yeah. Because when I think of landscape, I think of, like, the land. Like, the view. The people. (laughs) Well, there wasn't much to Eastern State, so I guess she would have been part of the view. Uh, I guess. She was transferred to Muncie Industrial Home for Women in 1923. Frost's departure marked the end of an era. Frost had been serving a 20-year sentence for murder. She had poisoned her husband. Oh, perfect. I wonder if she was part of the arsenic ring. (laughs) 
And then we have William Francis Slick Willie Sutton. I love the nicknames. Slick Willie. One of the most famous bank robbers in American history, Slick Willie spent 11 years at Eastern State Penitentiary. In 1945, Sutton, along with 11 other prisoners, escaped from Eastern State in a prison-dug tunnel that went almost 100 feet underground. Sutton was recaptured just minutes later. Over the course of his criminal career, Sutton is credited with over 50 bank robberies, three successful escapes from prison, and over 30 years served behind bars. He died in 1980, and his number was 9523. This is an article from Ghost City Tours. Wait on me. Uh, The Eastern State Penitentiary sits in the middle of Philadelphia's Fairmont neighborhood. The decaying castle-like structure is one of America's most notorious prisons and considered the most haunted site in Pennsylvania. Travel Channel's Ghost Adventures conducted a paranormal investigation at the prison and captured disembodied voices, shadow figures, and other unexplainable occurrences. Uh, So, they asked the question, is Eastern State Penitentiary haunted? Eastern State is on the bucket list for most paranormal investigation groups. Teams brave enough to search for evidence of paranormal entities don't ever seem to leave empty-handed. Sci-Fi's Ghost Hunters revealed what appeared to be the apparition of a man walking through Cellbox 12. A crew for Travel Channel's Most Haunted recorded objects moving on their own, Investigators with the production claim to have communicated with multiple spirits. Some activity that has been noticed uh, when the aging prison opened for tours, people couldn't stay away. It's located in the middle of Fairmont Street in Philadelphia and has become one of the most visited tour destinations in Pennsylvania. Thousands of people explore the historic penitentiary every year and several emerge with their own ghost stories. Guests claim to get a glimpse of a man standing in the guard tower on the property. However, there's no way to physically get to the top of the tower today. The brick stairs crumbled away years ago. Hmm. Other employees and tourists hear whispering, giggling, and even weeping while exploring the property. When they investigate where the noises are coming from, they never find the source. The apparition of a mysterious woman is spotted often that employees have named her the Soap Lady. She sits in the last cell on the second floor wearing white. The second floor held the women's cell block when the prison was operational. Chicago's gangster Al Capone spent eight months locked up in the prison, and apparently the spirits of the prison were powerful enough to terrify even the most vicious mob boss. Capone's criminal... (laughs) criminal <laughs> capone's criminal network made sure his accommodations at the eastern state penitentiary were luxurious his cell could have been mistaken for a cozy living living room complete with oil paintings and fine furniture everyone just seems to love talking about how fancy his cell was because it was fancy for no damn reason yeah prison although he was living like a king an unseen force terrified him at night The crime boss would let out a blood-curdling scream in the darkness, begging for someone named Jimmy to leave him alone. Many people believe Jimmy may have been the spirit of Jimmy Clark, one of the men killed by Capone's execution order in the St. Valentine's Massacre. Even after Capone was released from Eastern State Penitentiary, the entity continued to torment Capone. 
Out of desperation, Capone even hired a medium, but that didn't seem to work. Eventually, he lost his mind and ended up in a mental institution for the final years of his life. Oh, I just saw they have a picture of one of the masks. Oh, it's salad fingers. Oh, I didn't make him green on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I don't want salad fingers. The uh, the masks that they use for the silence when moving the prisoners is absolutely okay. horrifying. Perfect. It's just a full face shield, and then it's just two little eye holes. Punishment at Eastern State Penitentiary. Oh, that's not what I thought it would be. The iron gag. Let's say you are a few months into your sentence in 1834, and you can't bear keeping your mouth shut. That's how inmate Matthias... <laughs> Matthias McComsey may have felt in 1833. <laughs> <laughs> he tried to talk to his neighbor. When he got caught by the guards, they slapped the iron gag on him. To do this, they bound and shackled his hands behind his back. They put an iron casted gag over his tongue, and the gag was attached by chains and shackles on his wrist. <laughs> now people do that for fun. <laughs> That's one thing I don't want to experience. Yeah, no, they're not fun. I'll put it in someone else's mouth, not mine. I don't like being gagged. You would make a great dominatrix. <laughs> Backup plan if you ever get fired. <laughs> Although I don't think you'll want to work from home with that one. <laughs> Where else would I work? Uh, we're going to find you a basement somewhere. Ah, oh, damn. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. I, I just I jumped ahead. The gag was attached by chains to shackles on his wrists. Then they left him. One hour later, he was found dead in his cell. What happened? Well, apparently, the iron collar ripped up his tongue and McComsey pled, bled to death. He pled? Pled. He pled. Yeah, well, he didn't have a tongue. He couldn't say blood. He pled. He pled to death. <laughs> That's oh, horrifying. And then we have the mad chair. Early Philadelphia doctors believed mental illness spread through the body through circulation. They thought they could cure insanity by simply making sure blood couldn't pump through the body. The best way to do that? Restricting all movement. The mad chair was created so inmates could be strapped in so tightly it was literally impossible to move a muscle. They could be forced to sit in this chair for days without food. Restricting the blood flow inevitably caused damage to the body and the inmates often needed limbs amputated after spending time in the mad chair. So I think the website, uh, Eastern States website, did mention... A little bit about them tying people to chairs, but I didn't realize it was so intense. Oh. That's why some of them ended up crippled. Oh. And then this last one for the tortures, the water bath. If you broke the rules during the winter season, you could be subjected to another horrific punishment. A guard would dunk your head in ice cold water and then hang you on a wall all night. The frigid air would cause your skin to ice over before morning, and many didn't make it through. And then we have a little bit about the fall of Eastern State. When the massive structure was created in 1828, it garnered international attention. Tourists began to flock to the area and ride in their wagons just to get a glimpse of the place. 
It didn't take long for the outside world to question the ethics of this forced isolation. Charles Dickens was one that visited. He shared his distaste in one of his books. In 1913, the Quakers' theories on Reformation were abandoned and the prison largely phased out of solitary confinement. Eastern State Penitentiary closed for the prisoners in 1971. At that point, the aged building had so many electrical and mechanical problems it was too expensive to restore. Prisoners were moved to a new facility and the building was abandoned for several decades. It reopened as a museum. I wonder if I can find any experiences <laughs> everybody says it's so haunted but trying to find articles about the hauntings I think it's just ghost watchers and ghost adventures and blah blah blah. Yeah, I loved watching the episode that they had, but then there's always the question of like, did they ham it up? Is it real? Blah blah blah. Yeah, they ham everything up on that show. I know. I forget the main guy's name, but he always cracks me up. The one that everyone hates? Yeah, the I'm one. thinking of the other one. I don't remember. There's two, like, ghost adventure shows. Like, there's ghost adventures and there's, like, another one. Ghost hunt something, I don't know. There's two big ghost hunting shows. Yeah, I don't think it was the... It wasn't the one with the hair gel. It's the other guys. Hair gel? Yeah, he's got, like, the spiky hair oh, and the tight, okay. muscly t-shirts. I think that's the one everyone hates. Yeah, it wasn't that one. I think his name's Zach. Okay. Yeah. Zach Zach Bagan Bagan Baden something something like that. I haven't I haven't seen the show in so long. I don't remember his name. He's entertaining, but he's not. um, I don't know how accurate they are. He also is fun. I. I He gave a tour uh, of his house. That has all of like the haunted items that they've collected over the years. I've heard about that. And he's got a bunch of um, Gacy's paintings. Oh, fun. And I find it funny because I think it was proven that Gacy didn't paint most of those. He actually paid. He paid other prisoners to paint them. Hmm. So most of those, I don't even think he, I don't even think he actually did. But I don't remember where I saw that or if it's accurate or not. True. It's hard to believe a lot of things that are online nowadays because people will be like, "This, I, I heard this thing. Let's write an article about it. Yeah, and then the article gets credited in another article and another article and trying yeah. to backtrack the information is so difficult. Antique archaeology. So let's see if I can find anything of note in here. <laughs> Apparently the solitary cells had skylights to let in God's light, a toilet, running water, heat, and a Bible. <laughs> Scarlet let a lot in. Yeah. Including the rain. Oh no. Well, there's the toilet water. Right? Aww. Stinky. I mean, rainwater's not stinky. Recycled water is stinky. Yeah. I hate places that use recycled water for their sprinkle su- sprinkler systems. I can imagine that doesn't smell great. 
Oh no. My um nanny, the condo that she lived in or lives in, they do that. So like when we would go down in the summer, mm-hmm. just it's summer. It's Florida. It's hot. It's muggy. It's disgusting. And then nighttime, you go, like, we would let the dog out at night. You go out there, and the sprinkler turns on or just turned off, and all you smell is swamp. And it's like, Ugh. Icky. That would explain like, the sorry, smell they... in Florida. Probably. Don't drink the water down there, also, from what I hear. It's not good. Well, yeah, look at the people that live down there. <laughs> I, know, I remember, uh... I forget when it was. I think it was around the time like I started cooking and my mom, not my mom, my nanny, uh, my mom or my nanny, one of the two, I forget who, when I went to go like make ramen once, they're like, use a bottle of water to boil. Don't boil, don't use the sink water. And I was like, what? And I was just like, well, wait, I use the sink water to brush my teeth. Why can't I boil it? And right. they're like, use a bottle of water to brush your teeth. And I was like, Thanks for telling Excuse me. Excuse me. It's been, uh, I've been alive and coming down here for how many years and no one told me not to use the sink water? Right. I can shower in it. Or should I not be showering in it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yummy. <laughs> it's it's hard water down there, too. Yeah. So it's like, ugh. I hated, hated showering down there. I believe it. My hair would feel so gritty afterwards. That's how the water was when I was in college, too. I had to buy, like, special conditioners. Yeah. I would, like, go through a whole bottle of conditioner in the two weeks we were there. Yeah. Like a big bottle. Yuck. So, Eastern State Paranormal Claims. This is from the Paranormal Milwaukee Group. One of the most compelling ghost stories originating from the prison involved a locksmith named Gary Johnson who was working in cell block four, trying to remove a lock from a cell during a, the restoration process. In the process of doing so, he felt a presence there with him, watching him intensely and looking down the cell block to find no one there. Continuing on with his work, the feeling once again came over him, but as he looked around once more, this time he saw a shadowy figure leap across the cell block. A commonly... <laughs> <laughs> a commonly reported occurrence in this in the sighting of a figure standing in one of the guard towers perhaps it is one of the former guards who finds himself destined to stand watch over the walls of the prison for all eternity <laughs> many visitors and staff at the prison have reported hearing the sounds of footsteps down the long corridors and angriest anguished whales coming from inside some of the cells mm, you said whales i thought you meant whales like not ocean whales <laughs> crying whales my brain was very confused like whales why are we hearing whales who's whaling <laughs> in cell block six it's bedtime i know uh in cell block six shadows have been spotted moving against the walls by many of the staff during their rounds and in cell block four where johnson had his encounter Faces have been seen inside the cells. Cell block 12 has been the site of disembodied laughter when a quick check reveals no one present. <laughs> Someone's just cackling. <laughs> one particular spirit has been seen in the older part of the prison by many. He is said to be a shadowy form that stands perfectly still, sometimes completely unnoticed until approached, at which point he dashes away. One of the more notorious and controversial videos taken at Eastern State is one that appeared on the sci-fi series Ghost Hunters. 
when members of the Atlantic Paranormal Society filmed what appears to be a shadowy figure on the catwalk of Cell Block 4. Ah, Pep the dog has been reported to be seen and heard throughout the prison. Pep was given free reign in life to go wherever he pleased and thus is spotted in many different locations. Oh, Pep. Oh, I feel so bad that he just, like, got stuck in a prison. But yeah, that is uh, Eastern State Penitentiary. A little history and some ghostly tales. Monday we'll go to the West Coast. Don't worry, guys. (laughs) Eventually, when we're not. You know, it's just I don't know much about the West Coast or even the middle of the country. I just mainly know the West, the East Coast. I know California specifically has a lot of um, true crime and like murder stories just because of how densely populated um, the movie Uh industry. I'm sure there's some fun local places there, too, but I haven't. It's been so saturated on the internet already. I haven't really looked into many of the stories out there, like Black Dahlia's mm-hmm. in California, yeah. um, the Cecil Hotel, true, true, and all that chaos. All right, guys, if you live on anywhere off the East Coast, tell us your stories or give us ideas of like local haunts or true crime or anything. West Coast? Got missing tail, missing people. West Coast, mid, mid. You live in the Matlands. You live in the Appalachians. Tell us a story. No, don't tell us. We can't talk about it. <laughs> we don't have to talk about it. You just tell us the story. How are we gonna share it? I just want to read it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> or we just we come up with a code name. We don't say it. We don't say what they are, but we just come up with a code name. Uh, flesh strutters. <laughs> the evil penguins. <laughs> There's what has to be a way around it. People talk about them all the time, and they're fine. Just that we know of in in the Appalachians or other places. Like there, there are they are in other places than just the mountains. No, I know they're just most commonly talked about in Appalachia. I always think Am of um, no, it, it's like a tomato tomato kind of thing. Oh, okay, okay. Or like um, Newark and Nork. I feel like you always. I have to emphasize Nork. Instead of New York, because it's New York, I think of. Like, I think I'm saying New York. Oh, when you say Newark? Newark. Yeah. Apparently, so I, go, I, I don't know. Newark is Delaware, and Newark is the Jersey one. But I don't say Newark. I say uh, Newark. I say Newark. Hmm. Newark. 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 <laughs> Nark? I don't know what I say. I don't say it that often. <laughs> I've had debates with one of my coworkers about it, so. I type it a lot. But I don't really say it that often. Yeah. But uh, you said you had a cat or kid? Cat or kid. Get out of the cabinet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not on the floor. Um, I thought of a good one like last week sometime. And I was like, that's the perfect one. I forgot to write it down. It may have been not on the floor. My newest debacle is climbing and jumping off of things. Get off of it. More, mostly just don't jump. Whatever you do, don't, don't jump. Because she'll True. she'll run to the end of something and then look like she's going to jump. And it's like, don't jump. Oh, no. Please, God, don't jump. Oh, no. Most of my things are, get away from me. <laughs> Stop touching me. Like, my cat will decide at the worst times to be like, I'm going to be in your face. And it's like, No. I'm trying to sleep. I'm trying to read. I'll be sitting there reading sometimes and he just plops right here and then his tail floop, 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 and turning my pages. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> I'm trying to read. 
Or like uh, today, I'm sitting, I'm typing, I'm doing my work, and I just keep feeling a paw on my back. Hmm. And I was like, what? What do you want? And then he just looks at me. And I'm like, do you want on my lap? And I'll pat my lap. And he doesn't come up. He walks away. And I was like, okay, fine. Go back to work. And I just feel pat, pat, pat. Stop it. <laughs> what mother? Either sit here and enjoy yourself or go away and lay down, please. <laughs> go lay down. That's a good one. <laughs> go to sleep. Go to sleep. <laughs> All right, bedtime for Rogi. Uh, gaming time for me. I'll probably go play something. I wish, but I, I gotta stop staying up late. Yeah, that one day fair. we stayed up playing that escape room. I freaking slept until like eight o'clock the next day, and I was like, the gym. <laughs> oh no! And normally at the, I'm like at the gym by five. You're still insane for that. It was it was so late. Like I woke <laughs> up and I was like, crap. Oh, it was like seven something. Like, but I didn't finish the gym until like later than I normally do on a weekday. Right. And I was like, I don't like this. And then I went home. And laid down. The next thing I know, it was mid- noon. <laughs> and I was like, whoops. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, I hope you all are having a good day. Yeah. So, what's the normal? Check out the socials. Tell us stories. Send us ghost stories. I don't care. Someday we'll get listener stories. That, like, I don't even care if people, like, are on Reddit if people are still doing Reddit. I don't know. There was apparently a big drama with Reddit at one point. But, like, if people are on Reddit, or hell, if you don't want to be on Reddit and you still want to, like, tell your stories... Send them to us. Creepy pastas. Let's go. I still gotta listen to my uh my Easter egg from the last episode. Oh yeah, my little buttons at the end. Yeah, she does that. They're funny. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then you're skipping the ending, and that's the best part. Yeah, listen past the outro. Anyway, it's bedtime. I gotta go to bed. Have a good do you night. Like my name. I do. You're Smooky. <laughs> Smooky. <laughs> Your new name is Smooky. <laughs> Spooky and I'm, I've snack been rogue. obsessed with the song Spooky Snack. There's a song called Smook- Spooky. God damn it. I'm stuck <laughs> now. <laughs> okay, bye. Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our tales. We hope to have satisfied that creepy itch. Follow us on your favorite podcast app and look out for us on socials at Creepy Cuties Pod. No spaces. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Just look for the voodoos. Farewell. Goodbye. I love creepy. Where's the button?